0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. So now I wanna share in few minutes on something very important. And I have really prayed to God I've really prayed to God for the wisdom to communicate this. I want you to see with the eyes of the Spirit my heart, understand my motives, because these things must be said. They must be said. I want to start in an unassuming way. I want to start with a text that troubles me. Listen, I believe in the final authority of the Scriptures. And you see, when I read through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, there is no part of the Bible that troubles me. No part. I've taken my time to study it well. And even though commonly misconstrued scriptures, I understand it in its proper context. But there is this text, the one I'm about to read to you, that bothers me. And I don't know if it's only me. Have you ever read something in the Bible and it took you time, you know, to digest it like, what did I just read? Listen, you believe God, you trust God, but it's just a... I believe here, my unbelief kind of moment. Have you ever experienced that or it's just me? And I know you'll be thinking, I'm going to read about some grandiose miracles. Listen, I have never doubted the power of God when it comes to the miraculous. For some reason, never bothered me. I believe with all my heart that like in Bible days, rivers can turn to blood. And I know that with science, when Joshua said, sun stands still, the sun doesn't move. It is the planets that move, but that makes it even more great as a miracle. That instead of just the sun moving, all planets stopped moving. Uh, that's even more incredible. You know, I believe from the word of God, mountains can skip like rams. The Jordan can be turned back. You know, I believe that creative miracles, nothing troubles me. this text unassuming but troubling especially as a pastor especially as a theologian the text is like i said unassuming. ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. (laughs) from verse 11 to 14. the bible says and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ It says, everybody read verse 13. Can you be kind to do that one to go? Till we all come. In the unity of the faith. Now, in the whole Bible, this is the one text that I read and I say, God, is it possible? Listen, I have read that one man took a jawbone of an ass and killed thousands of people. You know the song, right? You know one boy I met in the university. He was just coming back, you know, from classes and he was singing. Let there be love, share the mangoes. ah. So some of us gathered him and said, what are you singing? Share mangoes, mango. (laughs) This has nothing to do with fruits. And listen, it took a while to convince him that the song was not about mango. It took a while. And in fact, I don't think he was convinced. He just didn't want to argue any further. Because we're like, it's not mango now. (laughs) Bro, share the mango. You know, so I just realized some people can just take something, pick up their own interpretation and run with it. And it, it made sense to him, like it's about love, about sharing. Share mango. Why are you say, why are you go eat mango leave you? <laughs> That's probably what he was thinking. And it took a while to prove to him. So you can understand why it seems like the body of Christ can't seem to agree on anything. Different views on prayer and how it should be done, different views on giving, different views on evangelism and most especially as regards to our topic today, different views on salvation, or what theologians will call soteriology, the study of salvation. How can man be saved? And how secure is he in that salvation? We can't seem to agree on it. Have you ever been moved to pity God? please don't get me wrong. You other side, of course, God cannot be pitied, He's all-powerful, all but you. Like have you ever seen people, especially in the church, behave some type of way and you just feel like God is going through a lot? <laughs> like, how does He manage all of us? How does He love all of us? So when he sees all these things? And then he says, till we come. <laughs> to a point of unanimity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of Man, that all of us will study Jesus and believe the same thing about him. Wow. Now that will be something. Lord, I believe, <laughs> help my unbelief. But it's still worth talking about. What does the Bible really say about salvation? And that's why I've titled this, This Grace Versus Disgrace. This Grace Versus Disgrace. Because when people teach from the Word of God, at least, you know, to the best of their knowledge, the message of the grace of God, some people say that's a license to sin and that's irresponsible. So what is... The true message. You see, and the confusing thing about this is, for every topic that we disagree on, at opposing sides of the spectrum, you see very sound people. Not just theologically so, but doctrinally so, I mean, intellectually so. Intelligent people. And sometimes it feels like they're intentionally missing the point. Like, was are too smart not to get this. But well, it is what it is, I guess. So how do we come to a point of unanimity, especially regarding salvation? There are some topics I don't care about, but salvation is important. Do you agree? What does the word of God say? But you see, I've been counseling married couples for not so long, but I've been counseling married couples long enough to learn something. I have learned that if you are only... I mean, if you are always counseling the same couple about petty things, he pressed toothpaste from the middle. He didn't press it from down. You know, all those kind of things. And they keep reoccurring. It is because there are underlying issues that have not been resolved. You you get what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm saying. Like, when some landmark event happens and you never really got past it, maybe the person you're dating, never really actually apologized. Just breezed past it. Now, every little thing will now begin to irk you. You know what I'm saying, right? So, I mean, so almost all the time without fail, I say, you know what, walk me through the history of this relationship. Has anything really happened? And more often than not, I'm correct. And what does this have to do with what we're talking about? Everything. Because I believe that just as with romantic relationships, even with Doctrinal relationships. (laughs) When two people can't agree on something obvious, it's because there are trust issues. So, I have noticed, for instance, anyone who has a bias against the grace message, if you like, show him Greek word. And say, this is the etymology of the word. This is how he will say, I don't see it. Because there are trust issues. And, And let me say this. The trust issues are not exactly illegitimate. Some of them are legitimate. So, when you hear someone say, first and foremost, is grace a license to sin? Now, you give a straightforward answer, and rightly so, and you say, no, it's not. And you're correct. Of course, it's not a license to sin, but can it be? Do you understand the difference? Do you understand the difference? not the same thing it is not intended to be it is not supposed to be but can needs and one thing i've discovered when it comes to resolving issues like this is as long as we continue to assume that the other people the people who are opposing your point are totally clueless we'll not move forward because they have seen some things that give them concern you know someone told me the moment one guy heard the grace message as soon as he got home the first thing he did was to buy two bottles of beer i mean that was his um, response to the revelation and he downed it like ah. so he mean i've been suffering since I said something about at Rebook Camp I want to repeat again. Has any one of you overcome a habit in your life before? Raise your hand, raise your hand, all right. How much did it take to overcome it? Now, let me ask you this. Will it be right if I told you that one of the simple rules to overcome a habit is to totally abolish the idea that, that habit is okay. Is that right or wrong? That's true. And so, when you tell someone it doesn't really matter, God still loves you, unintentionally, you might be empowering some habits to linger, unintentionally. Do you understand what I just said? Can we all agree on that? Uh-huh. That might not have been your motive, but it can be the result. So, How do we move from that? Because, listen, at the end of the day, we want the same thing. We want Jesus to be glorified, and we want the saints to live free from sin. We want the same thing. But that's a legitimate concern. And what's the answer to that? When you read the Bible, the answer is right there. Are you aware that every book of the Bible is one sermon? Are you aware? It's one sermon. And so, listen to what I'm about to say. Paul never taught on grace without telling you the responsibility that grace bestows on you. So, to the church at Colossae, in the first two chapters, he establishes who they are in Christ. What Christ has done and what they have received in Christ. And then in chapter 3 from verse 1, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Meaning, this grace that you have received is not a pass for you to gratify your lustful desires. Instead, it calls for a change of appetite and priorities. Come on, did you get what I just said? So, when it comes to the church at Rome, he uses 11 chapters to establish who they are in Christ. He doesn't stop in chapter chapter 8 that we all like. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In chapter 12, he says, therefore, in view of the mercies of God, meaning this is how we should respond to this information. In view of the mercies of God, let us present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So, That tells us that there is a proper way to present the message of the gospel. Nowhere in the Bible was sin treated with kids' gloves, as if it doesn't matter. When you try to teach assurance of salvation and your approach is this, even if, you know, some people say, even if it's on the bed of fornication, when Christ comes, you are going, why would you say that? Why, Why would you say that? Why would you say that when Paul's response is, what? Know ye not. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the the presentation must be correct. But now I want to address the other camp. And here is the first thing I will say. Never judge the validity of a doctrine solely by its excesses. Never judge the validity of a doctrine solely. I'm not saying you can judge the validity of a doctrine by his exorcism, but not solely. It is true that by their fruit you shall know them. But there is a way you will extrapolate that in a very strict way that nobody will qualify, including Jesus. Because if you say that because some people have these moral failings; therefore the message is wrong then what was judas listening to that made him betray jesus are you alive this morning are you with me i mean it's a simple question if the failure of anyone contradicts and, and proves the theology to be false what about jesus I mean, that right on the table, the, la- the last supper, as we call it, he said, one of you is a devil. Imagine. <laughs> one of you. One of you will betray me. Jesus. And so, there is something, I want to say this with all sense of love but sincerity, that acts the core of my being. is the hypocrisy of saying or implying that all oh, the grace people just go about sinning. It's not even statistically true. <laughs> it's not true statistically. Bring out facts. And I will not get petty to say, What about your guy? I would God forbid. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I think that we'll move forward when. We stop the pettiness and we look at the matter at hand. Because, you see, one of the ways to move forward is to say, what does the Bible say? Let's not distract ourselves. What does the Bible really say? Because there are people, you know, I respect deeply, privately and publicly, you know, that just stumble on this. And then when we continue with this kind of thing, I, I think it's gaslighting, whether consciously or unconsciously. You know, when we continue with stuff like this, we will hurt the body. You know, someone I really whose ministry I really admired said something that hurt me. He was talking about a father in the body of Christ who at the later years of his life discovered the grace message and began to teach it, you know, profoundly. And then you know what he said? He said, when you find anybody who changes decades of conviction like that, it is because they have a secret sin they are trying to cover up. He has no evidence of that. Even if he said, God told me, <laughs> I... I <laughs> I would still have questions, but I would... But you just say, you know, when you conclude like that. Now, you have left the accuracy of what he's saying. You have not, you have not disagreed. You know, he said this, but this is what the Word of God was actually saying. You say it is because... I'm, and I'm like, what? And you know, one of the Kairos moves of God in my life... You know, this, this, this man of God, I had never met him... So I had no reason to defend him, but I just knew this was false. And I didn't reach out to the ministry or anything, but for some reason, they were celebrating 50 years in ministry. And they sent me an invite, and it was a closed door meeting. His close partners and people who had been with him from the beginning. And the most recurrent question that was asked that day was this. Sir, how did you do it? 50 years, not one scandal. You have family, friends, and members here. And we can all attest to the fact that in 50 years, you have no stain on your legacy. How did you do it? You know, so now, that was the testimony of the people who knew him the most. I mean, his, his sister was there, his family members, children were there. But because someone doesn't agree, he says How did we get here? How did we get here? Please. I already took excuse. I mean, whatever I say and you don't agree with, just forgive me. Let's get on with it, right? You know, so, I mean, let's, let's get on with it. Let, let me show you something. I didn't plan to show you this. But you see, the Bible says that in the last days, the Spirit of God speaks expressly that people will depart from the truth giving heed to seducing spirits. You know, and, you know based on what we think we know about seducing spirits <laughs> from Nollywood, we think it's a lady who is trying to get the pastor to derail and is usually a light-skinned lady. But first and foremost, at least in these texts, seduction has nothing to do with, you know, sexual temptation. So follow it, right? So um, that Greek word means an imposter spirit, a spirit of the Antichrist, you know, that tries to dissuade people from the truth. So he's talking about something doctrinal here, that some people will be swayed by doctrinal errors. Please, are you with me? You know, when you hear that such a thing will happen, I mean, what kind of doctrines do you think? You think the doctrine will be something, you know, that will tempt you to believe in lasciviousness, you know, and cast off virtuous restraints and will opine that discipline is no longer important? But look at what he says. First Timothy 4 from verse 1. Look at verse 2. He says, speaking lies in hypocrisy, so there will be a lot of hypocrisy. Come on, are you with me? He says, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, verse 3, forbidding to marry. I mean, that's just one of many things he said. And then commanding to abstain from food. Listen, based on your preconceived notion about what the seductive spirit should be, you would have thought that the seductive spirit will make you eat whatever you want without restraints. But he said, it is the opposite. The spirit of seduction in the last day will be an excessively strict doctrine that is stricter than God. Virtue signaling. When God appears to Peter and gives him, you know, animals, says, take, kill, eat. And Peter tells God, no, Lord. Peter corrected God. That I I cannot eat what is unclean. (laughs) You don't understand? God gave him something to eat. He corrected God. "Ah, God must be wrong. He's saying in the last days, there will be a level of virtue signaling and superiority complex than you have ever seen. I mean, think about it. He says, so some part of the errors will be... uh, forbidden to eat, so some people will just associate, you know, some painful measures as um, a show of more holiness, and Paul is saying the Spirit speaks expressly, warning you of that, so I said all of that to say this, just because a position seems more strict doesn't mean it's right, Uh, did you hear what I said? Uh, Just because it sounds stricter doesn't make it right. I mean, think about it. If you were there in Jesus' day and a woman comes with an alabaster box, breaks it at Jesus' feet, and then Judas comes. Listen to Judas. Judas said, this is wastage. We could have sold this oil and given to the poor. Now, doesn't that make sense? Be honest. Answer me. I like response. Are are you there people here for the first time? Doesn't that make sense? But but he was wrong. The Bible tells us that his motives were wrong. He was a hypocrite. He was a thief. He wanted to steal it. He wanted the money to be kept in a treasury so that he could steal it. But the virtue signaling, everybody will say, oh, he's nice. He cares about the poor. But that wasn't the case. So, I said all of that to say this. We must put aside preconceived notion. Let God be true. And all men, what? Aha. So, I want to run through four simple things to know about grace. Four simple things to know about grace. And, you know, just in case you already know this thing or you think you know it, please listen again. At least for more clarity or so you can teach people better. Because some of you, uh, you misrepresent (laughs) the message. You you are part of the problem. Number one, grace is not fair. (laughs) Ah, Jesus. Please, did you hear what I said? Please, what did I say? oh my God, listen carefully. And you know, let me tell you a story. Something happened years ago. God sees my heart. I have forgiven the person I've moved on. But it was very strange. You see, I've seen this many times. And if I was not careful, I would have made the same mistake because many of the ministers of the gospel I grew up listening to They had this pride when you gave them something for the ministry. You know, they wanted to make sure you know that they don't need it. So I remember when I um, packaged all my allowance as a student and I went to give to a a man of God and just said, drop it there. You know? (laughs) So I dropped it and said, blessed. I was so confused. So, I mean, the person who delivered me from that, I will never forget. I was just watching online, and I saw Pastor Chris Oyakilome thank partners. He said, thank you. Because of what you've done, we could support the minute was sure. Eh, thank you. So I went to read my Bible again and saw that Paul was like that. Paul mentioned, in fact, <coughs> Paul mentioned partners, appreciated them well, he used them for examples. I then discovered that it's not a show of holiness not to be appreciative. In fact, it's a bad behavior. But a lot of people still haven't learned that. And so there was this young pastor. You know, I really liked him, and I thought he could teach very well. You know, our ministry didn't have a lot of money, and, but, you know, their ministry seemed to need it more. And I heard some complaints of some things they needed and all of that. And he also, directly or indirectly, had asked for support. So then he came to visit, and I just got scared. I, I wanted us to help, so with the permission of some of our leaders, we wrote him a check. It wasn't much, you know, 40,000, you know, so. I struck it to him, and he looked at it. He said, uh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> True life story. You know, have you ever seen those movies where someone will do something in their mind. You, you will see what they are thinking. So I wish I could grab the thing and say, stand up, they go to your house. <laughs> but God, but God, but God. You know, some people just struggle to say thank you. I mean, so, so listen, I, I, I assure you, you don't know where this is going. The reason you all laughed is because you can relate to it. You know, you know what it means to sacrifice something. Have you ever packaged a gift for someone and you can't wait to see the person's reaction? It, it, it matters to us. It's love language. <laughs> but listen, that's what happened to Cain. That's what happened to Cain. He wanted to impress God. He wanted to please God. I'm going to give you something nice. Forget what you read in the book of Bible stories. You know, in book of Bible stories, Cain's crops looked damaged. It, the Bible didn't say Cain gave bad crops. The Bible didn't say that. He was angry because he sacrificed. That's why he was angry. I gave you my best. I, I just wanted to please you. I just wanted to make you happy. You see... And that's the mistake many people make when it comes to salvation. We tend to trust our efforts. Do you know what I went through? I blocked all these vegetables. I washed it. I kept it fresh. I laid the altar for you. Then you reject it. And God is trying to explain to him, yeah, I see what you did. It's cute. But you see, sacrifice is not for sacrifice's sake. Sacrifice is to point to the sacrifice of another. It's not about your sacrifice. It is about his sacrifice. So the reason you must have blood in your sacrifice for atonement is to point to the fact that the real Lamb of God is going to come die for you. And by doing that, you are placing faith in Christ and what he will do. So it's not about your works. Cain was angry. God tried to placate him. God came to him, said, "Why are you angry? If you do what is right, will you not be commended?" Cain would listen. Just the same way, some people cannot be persuaded. We are telling you, your works will not be enough. They are going the way of Cain, because they don't know grace is not fair. Listen, in fact, for Cain to have been jealous of Abel. He must have felt Abel did not do as much. So it is possible that Abel's sacrifice wasn't as grandiose. But God doesn't care. It had blood. Do you understand what I'm saying? It had blood. And that's what mattered. The spiritual significance of it was what mattered. But Cain didn't care. And so when people say that heaven will be full of surprises, they are right. But not the surprise they think. Because I assure you, you will see some people in there and you will be angry. I mean, just, just imagine you were the one that that robber by the side of Jesus had been stealing from all these years. And you have been giving motivational quotes one day for the thief. Every day for you see One day for the, they, they eventually catch him And then just right there on the cross He just looks casually Says remember me your kingdom And Jesus said Did Jesus not even allow me to finish He said I say to you today You'll be with me in paradise eh? Then you After all your years of faithfulness You just enter there and you see him Hello Maybe he's the one that even comes to receive you Have you read the book of Philemon very well? Onesimus stole from Philemon. And then Onesimus got born again. And Paul told Philemon, if you are truly saved, receive him back. (laughs) What? It's not fair. Yeah, that's why it's grace. That's why it's grace. Grace. I want to read to you two texts to buttress this. I can't spend too much time on this. This is so good. I wish this was all my sermon, but I have to move. Look at Romans chapter 9. Oh, my God. I, I don't think you understand how painful this can be. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 9 from verse 30. Please follow this carefully. It's going to touch you. He says, What shall we say then? Like, so what are you trying to say? Like, what's the conclusion of the matter? He says that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, have not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. Listen, don't you understand? The children of Israel were given the law. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. God gave them the Shema. He said this law shall not depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. He said write it on your forehead. Write it on your palm. Meaning, just make sure you memorize it. They tried for centuries. And were not declared righteous by the law. Then the Gentiles who had no law, as people born in due season, are you listening to me? Just came, heard about Jesus, believed, they entered. (laughs) And then some Jews are still struggling. It's not fair. That's why, go to the next chapter from verse 1. Paul says, my prayer to God, like, God, I beg. This this is the origin of God, I beg. (laughs) My heart, desire, and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. I see. their so-called sincerity. They're trying. Verse 2, for I bear record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Listen, they're working hard. They just don't know. God, I beg. They've been ignorant of God's righteousness, verse 3. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness which is of God. So they are working very hard. But salvation is not to be worked for. Grace is not fair. Please, are you listening to me? Uh, That at the end of the day, let me tell you this. Can I get into some personal issues? Okay, for instance, have you noticed that in every burial, we always say he was a good man? <laughs> you know? Because that's the sweet thing to say at burials. Everybody's always a good man. Imagine going to a burial and saying, you know, we're here to do the needful because he can't bury himself. We all know that this man was Olori Buruko. But you know, but, but somehow it is not in our culture. So we go there and lie. Even men of God lie. He was so sweet, he couldn't hurt a fly. Ah ah. And listen, but there are noble men. Have you ever seen someone in the world so noble? done a lot for country, done a lot for people, but it's not saved. I don't want to mention names. And then to think that after everything, someone that some other person would call a riffraff who just believed. You don't, you don't understand. Even if all through your time on the earth, you were living off the crumbs that fell from a rich man's table, you still have eternal life if you believe in Jesus. Grace is not fair. I want to show you one text that people try to dodge, especially people who think, you know, grace has its excesses. Look at Matthew chapter 21. Oh my God, I saw this years ago and it shook me to my core. Matthew chapter 21 from verse 31. The first, you know, sentence there is a flow of thought from the previous verse and, you know, which is a deviation. So I'm just going to start... From the part where he says, Matthew 21, 31, I'm going to start from the part where Jesus said, assuredly, are you with me? He says, assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. First and foremost, let me explain who tax collectors are. The Israelites were colonized by the Roman Empire. You know, right? That's how come you had, you know, Pilate and you had Herod at the same time, in the same era. They were being colonized. But then, the Roman Empire employed some Jews to be in charge of the tax collection from their fellow Jews. And this Jews were excessively taxed. They were impoverished. But then it's your fellow man who will come and say, you have not paid tax to the Roman Empire. Pay, otherwise, you are going to be thrown in jail. So I don't need to tell you how much they were hated. If you want to have a clue, think of how some of you behaved when you discovered your friends were supporting a party that you felt shouldn't be supported. <laughs> One of you in this church, dragged the celebrity, drag, drag, drag. She she ran to our church DM, say see your member. <laughs> I didn't see the DM. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't see. They showed me yesterday, so <laughs> you know. But you know, so tax collectors were not, you know, just Jesus talking to Matthew. People were angry. Tax collectors are like customs. Have you had issue with customs before? Some of you don't understand. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> in you <a> way so <laughs> they were like that and Jesus said not only do I say to you I assure you this is, this is the person who has the marking scheme listen judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ he's the one that we judge and he's giving you assurance he says hallot's Tax collectors, he was talking to Pharisees. They will enter the kingdom of heaven before you. Now, this is the issue, because some people don't know how to separate issues. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Jesus was supporting Tree? He was not. But what then is the message here? He's just telling you as important as moral excellence is, it's still not Enough, it still isn't enough to give you a right of passage into the kingdom. No, for that, you must be born again, and to be born again, you must believe in Jesus. So, now if you're a good person, that's cute, that's nice. You can be a great person on the earth, but there are some people who cannot even strap your shoes when it comes to moral excellence and decency that will still enter the kingdom of heaven before you if you do not believe. So, the problem is we don't know how to separate issues. There are some of us who are so badly behaved, they need to be reprimanded, corrected, like the church in Corinth. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church in Corinth. But at the same time, you have to understand salvation. The requirement for it is totally different. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? If your Bible is original, what I just read is in color red. Do you know what that means? What, what, what does that mean? Jesus said, I'm, so, hey, I'm just the mailman. I'm just delivering the mail. He has promised you. <laughs> he told the Pharisees the way you are going tax collectors and halots will enter grace is not fair Paul didn't know what to do I see that these people are sincerely wrong they just don't get it still doesn't matter Grace is not fair. To be saved, you must believe in Jesus, not as an option, but the only way. Number two, grace is absolutely undeserved. Absolutely. Listen, Paul was such a brilliant theologian. You have to follow the flow of thoughts when it comes to Romans chapter 1. You see, when it comes to Romans chapter 3, from verse 10, he says, there is none righteous, no, not one. This is is God's verdict upon all humanity. God knows the hearts of men. He knows the actions of men. The ones people see, the ones people don't see. And the verdict of the Bible about all men is that all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. And so he's making his case when he's, he's starting the book. From, from chapter 1, he talks about the Gentiles. Oh, because you can make an excuse. The Gentiles were never given the law. How then were they supposed to know what is right or wrong? And Paul says, no. From verse 20, he says, the invisible things of God are clearly seen in the things that he has made. He says, so that man is without excuse. He means everyone from the creation can tell the existence of a creator and have, has enough witness from the creation that there is a creator. And that's enough for you at least at the base level to have honor for this creator even if you don't know his name. And so he says even if they knew God, they did not honor him as God and then they went on to do a lot of things and God gave them up to reprobate minds. But then he faces the Jews in chapter 2. He says, you that knows the law." Did you do it? You said the Gentiles don't know the law. You who know it, have you done it? And so in chapter 3, from verse 1, now says, what benefit then is the oracle of God? If you received it and you couldn't keep it, what advantage do you have over the Gentiles? He says, nothing. He says, for we have concluded that all are under sin. Come on, are you with me? The reason this is important is because Part of the virtue signaling in the church comes from the fact that a lot of people don't understand this basic principle. I heard a story of someone I don't know who, and I think I'm, I'm exonerated because I don't know who. You know, someone who said, if he gets to the gate of heaven and he's not allowed in, he will just start praising God, and God will hear his voice and say, I know that voice. Allow him in. Sir. (laughs) If you're not in, it is not... So, the thing is, subconsciously, we still think that if we just dance more, Or sing louder, sing a little louder. (laughs) Don't you understand? Except a man be born again. He cannot see, smell, touch, enter the kingdom of heaven. See, he's talking to a nobleman. He's talking to Nicodemus. A respected man in the society, an example of morality, the kind of guy you point to and tell young children, This is how I want you to be when you grow up. And God looks at him and says, Except a man be born again. Cornelius, what about Cornelius? A devout man, he prayed regularly, he gave alms. Mm, nice. Are you born again? An angel appeared, S- send for a man named Peter. He will tell you what you need to do to be saved. You may be giving to churches. Are you born again? You may be joining prayer platforms every morning. Are you born again? Please, are you listening to me? Listen, so someone who is battling inconsistencies will still make it as against someone who is disciplined and is not saved. Jesus said so. So it is absolutely undeserved absolutely absolutely in such a way that anything that you think qualifies you for it God sees that's pride so Jesus tells a story Luke chapter 18 this is another story you must never forget Jesus tells a story of two people one is a publican the other is a Pharisee the Pharisee comes into the temple And it begins to say, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other people. I fast twice a week. I have not failed in my tithing once. Now, tell me honestly, from a logical standpoint, if you saw someone like that, you'd be like, man, God is really going to like this guy. Are we not saying the truth? You're going to be like, "God God must really like you. You mean in your life, you've never failed in tithing? You fast twice a week, you're so holy. Hmm. And then the other guy, the Bible says, he won't so much as lift up his head to heaven. He smote his chest and bent his head and said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I say to you assuredly, that the publican left justified rather than the Pharisee. And then Jesus said this, for whoever exhorts himself shall be abased. So meaning, your innocent attempt at presenting to God your credentials is seen as pride. And God is saying, my response to that is to bring you down. It's right there. Whoever exhorts himself shall be abased. So meaning, as noble as we are, empowered by God, we must come to God knowing that not one of these things qualify. He says, even your righteousness is as a filthy rag before me. The best of us is still not good enough. So listen. If you are a high jumper here, you can jump. I mean, physically, raise your hand. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? You think you can really? All right. If you can jump very high for 50K, you feel like you stand a chance. All right, come. Now, if you feel like in this competition, if we were to do this competition here, you will likely be amongst the last. Raise your hand. Likely be amongst the last. Now, come. Thank you. Wow. Let me test you. You that, um, ca- can you touch this chandelier? Can you? Huh? Yes. Do you feel you can give it a shot? Let me try. <laughs> try, let me see. Hail him, hail him. What, what name should we call him? What nickname? Wait. Eh? <laughs> they conquer or they la- Is that song by, <laughs> by Dom Is that song by Dom You know that Dom Wain? Dom Wen they write. <laughs> All right. Okay, so. Uh, uh, can you just say, hey, hey, hey? They hype you. Would you? Which one do you want to touch? This one. All right. Oh, yeah. Woo, 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 woo. All right. We believe in you. Hey! Ah! Okay, that was just testing. The real test. For one million naira. Oh. Wait now, I want you to touch this ceiling. Yeah. So, let me begin. <laughs> so that means, even if he's very athletic, they will both fail. Are you getting it? Because some people are bragging. Hey. You know, have you seen people who will laugh at you? What did you have? Ten over hundred? Ah, twenty-five. I had 25. <laughs> now, both of us fail. No. <laughs> now, both of us fail. <laughs> have you heard people say, I had a high 2 1? Baba, 2 1 is <laughs> what? Uh, I had a high 2 1. Did you have first class? <laughs> now, both of us get two. <laughs> 3.5, 4.4, 2 1. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. So, listen, some of us don't realize we're just bragging that even if we both fail, you fail past me. It's both failure. I know you are very morally disciplined. But without the grace of God, we all wouldn't make it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's important for you to look to Christ. Look to Christ. his only requirement. As bra- Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted. He said, whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Please, are you listening to me? The, the principle is, look and live. Whoever looks to the Son... Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be safe. Look and leave. Li- Just look. Someone is trying to be medical about it. Oh, the serpent beats me. Hey, I have some herbs at home. Yeah. Sorry, you're going to die. Your only safety. Look and leave. Look and leave. I put my faith in Jesus. My anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put anybody like that. My anchor, here's my hope, my. My hand caught to the crown. My, my hope and my foundation. Never let me down. Hallelujah. It says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. God is no respecter of person. It doesn't matter the reputation you have in your community. The only thing that gives you this right of passage is faith in Jesus. That's your anchor. That's your only... All other ground is sinking sand. Please, do you understand me? I might have to continue when next, but I want to end with the last point. Number three grace annoys religious people. It annoys religious people. You know, Jesus gave a parable. He said there was a man who had a vineyard, and he got workers in the vineyard the first hour of the day. And then some people joined him and they walked, walked, walked diligently. And then the second hour, some more people joined and walked diligently. And the fifth hour, more people joined. And the sixth hour, and then the eleventh hour, he saw some people just loafing around and he says, well, will you work with me? And they said, yes. And they joined. And then at the end of the day, Jesus or the old master of the vineyard paid them all the same thing. And the people who walked from the first hour were annoyed. Master, this is cheating. We've been walking all day. These people just joined 60 minutes ago, and you're going to pay them the same thing as us. And then God said, what was our agreement? Did I pay you what I promised to pay you or not? And they said, yes. Take your wage and go. Go. You see, so people who work very hard, if you are not careful, it, it, it will irk you. It will hurt you. <laughs> it will hurt you. Come on, are you with me? The, I mean, there are people who, when they were in the world, they did all sorts. There are some people, they were so grounded in sin, the devil was shocked. Wow. Almost made the devil shout blood of Jesus. <laughs> and then there are some of you like Cornelius, who never heard a fly, never did anything. You know, praise God for your moral excellence. Your only qualification, please, are you with me? Only qualification is faith in Jesus. You know, I want to end with the story of Jonah. Because all my life, I thought that Jonah, you know, what happened to Jonah was, you know, he was just nervous. You know, it's the same way God will call you to do something and you're nervous about it. You know, I thought that the reason he didn't go to where God will have him go, he didn't go to Nineveh, instead he went to Tarshish, was because he was nervous. But that's not what happened. Jonah... Did not go to Nineveh because he wanted God to destroy Nineveh. That's why. Nineveh was a wicked country. Committed a lot of atrocious works. And he felt they needed to die. So, the way God is sending me there, I know you God. You are merciful. You are sending me there because you want to give them a chance. And I don't want them to have a chance. Have you wanted someone to die so much? Even witches, you say, ha, ah, even witches. Some of you, have you ever prayed, die? You see, that's why you need to be solid in believer's authority. Because a witch can kill your whole family and repent. I wish I was joking. <laughs> I mean, this Paul we're talking about was part of the people who killed Stevie. Stephen. And repented and wrote the Bible. You you think I said grace is not fair. You think I'm joking? It's it's only when you are the one receiving it is sweet. Oh, the overwhelming never, you know. (laughs) I mean, look at Jonah chapter 2, chapter chapter 4, verse 2. It says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, God. Was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. This is why I ran away. He says, for I know that you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Listen, he's saying, God, kill these people. Notice, that's why he preached the way he preached. He didn't even, he just went there. He kept the message short so that... He just said, thus says the Lord, not too long from now. He didn't even say repent. Jonah did not say repent. He said, I just came to tell you that God will punish you. <laughs> That's what was his Sermon. <laughs> but listen, listen, and this also tells you why God did what he did to Pharaoh. The reason God punished Pharaoh the way he did was because, I mean, I see that Pharaoh is never going to listen, so I'm going to use him as an example to at least save other people. So that's what Romans 9 was explaining when he says, if you are a vessel of wrath, I can use you, you know, for destruction. You are fitted for destruction. The people at Nineveh had heard what God did to Pharaoh, and now they see a Jew a Jewish prophet said, Thus says the Lord. Ha ha. The whole Nineveh fasted. The king of Nineveh said, Even animals must fast. He, he said, If I see food in bingo's mouth, <laughs> <laughs> they fasted, they repented, and Jonah was angry. Jonah was so angry, he said, God, kill me. <laughs> he said, Is this not what I said? This is why I ran away. He, he didn't run away because he was nervous. He ran away because he wanted the time to elapse, the time of God's mercy for that city to elapse, so that he, they could be destroyed. And God said, "A fish will carry you. Go and preach." So that was God's mercy at work. Come on, are you listening to me? God's me- and it annoys religious people when you see this Jesus. Just imagine you were in the service the day. That a woman who had a bad reputation just comes pours oil on Jesus' leg, imagine it and he's now using her hair to rub him like, and she's crying and kissing his leg <laughs> someone said this is not a man of God <laughs> you see Those, Twitter people said he's not a man of God <laughs> if it was a man of God he would know who this woman is Hallelujah. And God says, Jesus said, I know exactly who she is. In fact, that's why I'm forgiving her. And because I have forgiving her, she loves much. What if you knew that whatever it is you think disqualifies you from the love of God, is more reason he wants to love you. So that you will come to the end of yourself and realize even more than others the grace of God. Listen, when Paul talked about grace, he could talk from a depth. That no one else understood it because, I mean, he, he was chief of sinners. When you are instrumental to the execution of God's people, the arrested of the church, and then you receive salvation just like that, it changes your life. Oh, it's undeserved, but that's the grace of God at work. He says that in the ages to come, Ephesians 2.7, stand to your feet and let's read that last text of the day and then we praise God for it. Thank you, Jesus. Are you in Ephesians 2.7? Read it together loud as you can. One, two, go. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. Uh So listen, when you are wondering, oh, why, why will God be so kind? then you're beginning to get it. In fact, like someone clearly said, until you begin to ask, is this not a license to sin? That means you are getting it right. And we're going to talk about that this month, you see, because the Bible says, how can we who are dead to sin continue to live any longer, daring? How can we? But you see, those are two separate issues. We're talking about the requirement for salvation. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. Have you seen the kindness of God in his Christ? Have you received it? Just worship him and thank him right now. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000 Blessings.